Welcome to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Kendrew, per usual, for your Wiki Review Edition. That's right, I hope you found the stories that I found interesting, because I definitely found them interesting. I brought in my friend from Afghanistan. We met during our time there, I should say, and we have a good conversation. We get into our beliefs and thoughts about COVID, the vaccines, and also quarantine camps that are being held in Washington State right now. You don't want to miss that conversation. And also his personal story with the vaccine mandate during his time looking for a job, especially. And then we get into the global scale as far as get more in depth with the Russia-Ukrainian situation. Should we have sympathy for what's going on to the point where we have boots on the ground? Does that also include Taiwan? Is Taiwan next in the invasion scale for China? We get into that conversation and some speculations. And then last but not least, we get into the situation at the Senate level where the Senate Democrats tried to push a bill to federalize abortion. We get into our personal thoughts on a political scale about that. And then last but not least, we talk about a situation in Arizona concerning the 2020 election audit. So with that said, all this on Taboo Topic. Stay tuned. We'll be back after the short break to get the show started. Today, and I actually talked to public health officials about this. want to fill you guys in on what's really going on with quarantine camps in Washington state. Yes, they are a real thing. Yes, there's multiple. And, but this one is state run. Um, and it, uh, strangely enough, it's being contracted um, from a uh, Jewish summer camp. So normally this place is a Jewish summer camp on the, on the statutes out of Washington. Washington has some really, concerning codes in regards to local health officials and their authority to throw you in quarantine camp against your will. It's called involuntary isolation and quarantine. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. You know that. Coronavirus. They're politicizing it. We did one of the great jobs, you say, House President Trump doing, they go, oh, not good, not good. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. And welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Kendrew, per usual, with your weekly review edition. And I am actually joined by my friend. We met in, uh, during our time in Afghanistan. No, it's not my friend Chase, but... He is a friend, and he's in the state of Kansas, and I'll let my friend Alex go ahead and introduce himself, and if he wants to share any stories about first impressions and how we met, etc., by all means, Alex, the floor is yours. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for having me here. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, we met in uh, Afghanistan, and let's see. My first impression impression of you? That's that's what you want, huh? Okay. I thought you were very timid, man, at first. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I thought you were pretty timid, but, um, I, you know, I like getting to know my troops. So that was something I wanted to crack was everybody that I was assigned to. And I'm glad that uh, I was able to have you under me there. So it was a pleasure meeting you there. And I'm glad we can continue the relationship. Now, you came in later. I, I was in Afghanistan first, and your team came in later, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
I think that's how it went down. Yeah, and I remember my team, funny story, but my team actually got out of Afghanistan right before the lockdowns and COVID became a serious thing. And I think, what was it was your team that got stuck there like an extra couple months, right? Yeah. So how yeah. was that? Well, <laughs> you know what, man? I got to give it credit. I got to give credit to one guy. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember him or not, but um, Ken, you remember Ken? Not, uh, I think he was from Alaska. Uh, not entirely. No, he was like a he was like a forty year old guy, and he was oh, make, yeah, he's making like one hundred and fifty thousand a year, and he quit his job to to be in the military. <laughs> you yeah, remember that? I remember guy? that now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it sucked. Uh, being held out, but that guy made it funny. So yeah, I, I can mean, only imagine. <laughs> he got yeah, he got stuck in quarantine towards uh the start of everything and uh, he, he used to send me journal updates every day about what he was going through and it was pretty some of the stuff was pretty raunchy so <laughs> their culture out there is way different than ours and and they're fond of touching each other so yeah it got pretty weird in some cases i mean the whole covid situation is pretty raunchy i would say as well <laughs> absolutely um, which actually this first segment, we actually have three stories. So my friend Alex decided to go ahead and submit four stories today. Normally I tell my guests two to four stories, two at the very minimum. And normally my guests just do the two and I do three, hence five stories. But my friend Alex went above and beyond. He's a tryhard. So <laughs> he decided to do four stories today. So we, I went ahead and when I did the layout, I was trying to figure out like, uh, how, which segment would make more sense to put this story in, etc. So, before we get started, started, Alex, where I normally ask my audience every week before the beginning of every show, with the exception of last week because I just had a brain fart. But, how was your week, ladies and gentlemen? By all means, let me know through the social media platforms. Alex, how was your week this week? So far, it's been good. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be a long week. I'll be working through the weekend. Um but I, I make most of the time that I have off, so I usually uh, I don't mind having to work some weekends. So, yeah, uh, stay pretty busy. I work with uh, weapons, so I'm a weapons instructor, and so I do a lot of research as far as that goes, um, reading regulations and guidelines and policies and all the fun stuff, and and then every once, once in a while I get to pull some triggers and hear some, some boomsticks go bang. <laughs> Sounds like someone who was in the military at one point. <laughs> Are you still married? Yeah, still married, happily married. Two kids, uh two dogs, so I guess four uh six kids, four kids. Wait, did, I was gonna say, did you have kids when we met? I don't think you yeah. had kids yet, right? Yeah, no, you did have yeah. kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. I got a nine year old and a five year old. So it's, awesome, pretty, man. it's so always one... pretty fun around my house. Yeah, sounds like a full house, man. It's just me and my dog still over here. <laughs> uh, what you call it? My week was pretty good. I did my schooling. I'm pretty sure I bombed a test, though, for my Ooh. college class. Uh, it's a good thing that I already have, like, a good grade in that class anyway. So, like, a little – I think I got a D. That's So, when I say bomb, I'm thinking, like, a D at the yeah. very worst-case scenario. But 
a D in my situation wouldn't hurt my grade that bad. I'm actually trying to do well in my classes because I don't want to waste taxpayer dollars, obviously, <laughs> and fail the class. So I'm, I am trying, if you're the taxpayer person right now listening to this, I am trying to pass my classes. Um, but this one, this particular class, the way the tests and the questions were worded, I felt as though my brain was going to explode. So um, I pray and hope that I at least got a D, <laughs> please. So, do you um, feel like uh, do you feel like tests outside the military are harder? Oh my gosh, yes, they are ten times harder than the military. <laughs> I missed the military tests. They were so yeah. much easier, so much straight to the point. Multiple guess. Well, <laughs> or if, if it was like A B, which one is it? A B C D D being all the above. It was always all the above. No, this one you actually have to know your stuff. So yeah, <laughs> you actually That's have. Different. It's a lot different. So, uh, but hey, it's growth that is needed in my life anyway. So it, it challenges my brain and I like a good challenge. So, with that said, we're going to get into a challenge of this conversation and we're going to get started. So, Alex, just I'll let to tell my first time guest um, beforehand that what we do is we give a synopsis and then we do initial reaction, have a conversation, and then the other person goes, give their story. You give an initial reaction, you pass the stick to me to give an initial reaction, and then we have a conversation. Comprendo? Yeah. All right. So let's start with Washington State. Now, I want to personally thank the former Fox reporter, Ivory Hecker, for bringing this to light. Because if this was a Republican doing this, this would be on the front page of CNN, CNBC, NBC, CBS, etc., and there will be correlations to Nazi Germany. Now, why would I say this? Well, first off, despite there being stories how kids no longer have to wear masks, they're still running quarantine camps. That's right. In 2022, we have an American state that has given health officials the authority to force people, in other words, against their will, into what they call involuntary isolation and quarantine. It's in their website. Now, here are the guidelines according from their own public health website. Allow me to get into detail with some of their codes. And again, Ivory Hecker, if by one in a million chances you listen to this episode, thank you for bringing this into light and giving me something to work with for this week in review. Now, per quote, as confident the individual comply with a voluntary request for voluntary isolation or quarantine when the local health officer believes the formality of the order of police enforcement and fine will be better ensure compliance or there is no time or ability to secure a court order, i.e. person is ready to leave jurisdiction, need to impose quarantine on a weekend or at night and no pre-arrangements were made to locate a judge in an emergency. Now, this is in order to get the court order, this is how it looked like. Likely to be used when it's not confident that the individual comply with either request or local health officer order local health officer believes that may be necessary to move to a contempt of court proceeding with a threat of incarceration and slash or greater fine to secure the individual as a supplement to the local health officer order for involuntary isolation or quarantine both can be obtained i.e not mutually exclusive at his or her sole discretion a local health officer may issue an emergency detention order causing a person or group of persons to be immediately detained for purposes of isolation 
or quarantine in accordance with subsection 3 of this section or may petition to the superior court for an order to take the person or group of persons into involuntary detention for the purposes of isolation or quarantine in accordance with subsection 4 of this section provided that he or she a has made first has made reasonable efforts which shall be documented to obtain voluntary compliance with requests with medical examination, testing treatment, counseling, vaccination, decontamination of persons or animals, isolation, quarantine and inspection, and closure of facilities, or has determined in his or her professional judgment that seeking voluntary compliance would create a risk of serious harm and... Section B has reason to believe that the person or group of persons is or suspect suspected to be infected with, exposed to, or contaminated with communicable diseases or chemical, biological, or radiological agent that could spread or contaminate others if remedial action is not taken. And Section C has reason to believe that the person or group of persons would pose a serious or an imminent risk to the health and safety of others if not detained for the purposes of isolation or quarantine. A local health officer may invoke the powers of police officers, sheriffs, constables, and all other officers and employees of any political subdivisions with the jurisdiction of the health department to enforce immediately orders given to effectuate the purposes of this section in accordance with provisions, blah, blah, blah. That's a bunch of numbers. I don't care. Now, (laughs) section three. If a local health officer orders the immediate and voluntary detention of a person or a group of persons for the purposes of isolation or quarantine, A, the emergency detention order shall be for a period of not to exceed 10 days. B, the local health officer shall be shall issue a written emergency detention order as soon as reasonably possible in all cases within 12 hours of detention that shall specify the following. The identity of all persons or groups subject to isolation or quarantine. The premises subject to isolation or quarantine, the date and time at which the at which isolation or quarantine commences, the suspected communicable diseases or infectious agent, if known, the measure taken by the local health officer to seek voluntary compliance or the basis of which the local health officer determined that seeking voluntary compliance would create a risk of serious harm and the medical basis on which isolation or quarantine is justified. Now, the local health officer shall provide copies of the written emergency detention order to the person or group of persons detained or if the order applies to a group and is impractical to provide individual copies, post copies in a conspicuous place in the premises of where isolation or quarantine has been imposed, along with the written order and by the same means of distribution, the local health officer shall provide the person or group of persons detained with the following written notice. You have the right to petition. This is the notice. Now, you have the right to petition for the Superior Court for release from isolation, quarantine, in accordance with WAC, blah, blah, blah. You have a right to legal counsel. If you are unable to afford legal counsel, then then counsel will be appointed for you at government expense, and you should request the appointment of a counsel at this time. If you currently have legal counsel, then you have the opportunity to contact that counsel for assistance. Now, for a while, they were using hotels to quarantine these individuals, roughly around eight, according to Hyvory Ecker's report on this, uh, which they were paying over 120000 monthly, regardless if they're willing to, com- regardless if they're willing to quarantine themselves or not, which, yes, 
they could have voluntarily checked themselves in. But for people who don't want to, if the health official deems you a threat, you can get quarantined against your will. Now, when I what when Ivory did her report, which you can check out check it out on YouTube, she was at a state-run camp in the woods, which is ho- being hosted by a Jewish summer camp. The irony, right? <laughs> now, they did say they were going to loosen these policies up now that COVID is no longer an issue, uh, apparently, aka election cycle. Um, which gets into my initial reaction. So, first of all, let me go ahead and give a round of applause to Ivory Hecker for reporting this. Again, I really appreciate it. I follow her, and I recommend anyone who is not following her to follow her right now on Instagram and YouTube. But this is why independent journalism and media is gaining popularity. This BS is something our parents' generation would have covered because back then, people... Those people, that field took pride in the fact they were the people's voice, another branch of the working class. Now it's just a bunch of Harvard prep jackasses who never stepped foot into the real world that are running the show and being a mouthpiece for the government. Now, this is why I'm saying that, because there are articles trying to downplay what's going on. This is a violation of the Remember Code. This is a violation of human rights and constitutional rights. More importantly, remember code. A non-elected official can just be given full authority to put someone in camp without their consent because they wouldn't comply? Who do they think they are? How dare they? Again, how dare they and how dare the media turn a blind eye and this goes so far as try to justify this. As a matter of fact, I don't even care if they are loosening up these policies. They need to be held accountable. Their government failed their own oath to serve the people and should be held accountable. This is criminal by our own government, which I know we live at a time when it's rules for thee, but not for me, which I am sick of it. And I'm trying not to curse, but I really want to curse more than I usually do on my show. But this just infuriates me. And how can Washington State residents stand idly by watching their neighbors being forcibly be put into isolation from the rest of society as if they're lesser than or deserving to be isolated? It shows how weak we've become because a strong person stands up for others. And yes, I just paraphrased a movie quote from Back of the Barnyard from Nickelodeon, but it's true. What crime do they commit besides disagree with their doctor or health professional? Honestly, like, I'm just sick of it, man. I really am. What are your thoughts? I mean, you pretty much, we have the same uh, mindset when it comes to that. I mean, honestly, it's medical fascism at that point, you know? Like, uh, and any anytime they don't agree with somebody, they just result to, you know, they want to do violence or they want to somehow restrict uh, your freedom of movement in some way. And, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I feel like that's a Fourth Amendment issue to be honest with you, like, uh, I don't think they can technically legally right now, um, seize you, even if they want to try to quarantine you. And, you know, it's just sad that the, uh, Washington state, um, hasn't, you know, struck this down already. Um, I mean, I guess that is like a far left state, but yeah, it just seems kind of far fetched that they would, uh, even try to openly list this. So, no, I mean, you bring up a good point about the Fourth Amendment. The war- you have to get a warrant, 
right? And yeah. <clears throat> you're right. It, it makes me wonder, too, like, how come well, it's almost are- like unlawful detainment at that point? And also, like, why, why aren't there people trying to fight this legally? Like, they have been able to get away with this since apparently last year, supposedly, according to the report from Ivory Hecker, that they've been doing this since last year. And the fact, people wonder how could something like the Holocaust ever happen in society? But this is how it happens. People get brainwashed into thinking, or they get brainwashed into dehumanizing someone to the point where they think measures like this are justified. And because that happens, when shit like this happens, they don't, they turn a blind eye. They don't realize that this is wrong and this is a violation of human rights. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it any better, man. I'm just, you know, I think most people just like to live their lives and they don't like to, you know, step outside of reality. Um, but in some cases it kind of gets forced upon you. And I think, uh, that hasn't happened yet. And when it does, there's going to be a lot of people that uh, are going to be shocked. So it's a, it's a little bit ironic in two senses. Obviously, it made the irony connection with the Jewish camp, right? Yeah. But also, of all places, like, I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. They're pretty much saying, "Show me your papers," like, or you're going to get quarantined if you don't go with you know our our rules. And the fact that they can outrank a federal officer, that's just mind boggling to me. Like, okay. You're a health officer, and you can you can put guidelines at the state above the state and the federal. I, I don't I don't see how that can fly in most Americans' eyes. Now, do you think the majority of Americans are actually against all of this? I I would like yeah. to think they're against no. this. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, and I mean, this this can all which we'll get into later as far as talking about like the votes of 2020. But, I mean, I think majority of the population knows that they want America first, and that's what they voted for. But apparently uh, things went the other way. So, And I want to point out this other irony, too, because you, you brought up medical fascism, which I don't really use that term a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do find it ironic that this is the same side that claimed Donald Trump and anyone who supported Donald Trump were fascists and we were the pro-fascist group, yet they're supporting policies that is the literal definition of fascism. Yes. Honestly, you know, it's so crazy to think this, but they're all criminals um, in my eyes if they're pushing against, you know, the freedoms that we're all granted in the U.S. by being a citizen. Um, and that everybody, you know, when they come to come to the U S that's, that's what their, that's what the dream is, is to be able to have the freedoms that, um, nobody else can take away from you. Uh, but at the end of the day, those, uh, the guys making all of these rules and trying to take away freedoms, they're all criminals in my eyes. And, um, eventually it's going to catch up to them. I mean, I also have to point out the fact that. They this is also the same side that will pass policies or promote policies to let actual criminals out into the streets as well, which I my friend Ryan and I from this last 
uh, Wednesday or excuse me, Tuesday night for the State of the Union dress. We pointed out like all of a sudden the Democrats and Joe Biden are pro police all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But this is the same side that will go ahead and push for policies to let these people on the streets. But a law abiding citizen who just said, I do not trust this chemical to be injected into my body or I don't see the need for this injection to be put into my body or I don't I don't feel sick to where I have to quarantine myself, et cetera, just like any just like any other disease, whether it's a cold or a flu, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, those are the bad guys now. And again, the yeah. only thing they did was just disagree with their government, their dear leader. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a big pull to, to go globalist right now. So there's a big strategy for uh, what some of the elites are trying to do. And I think that that's kind of where all this trickles well, down. It, well, it, they want total control. And that's that's just it. It's funny that you mentioned that because Bill Gates has been making statements like if the world just did more did more what what Australia did this last year, we would go ahead and eliminate these diseases, a.k.a. if more countries just take away people's freedoms away, mm-hmm. then we'll be better off as a society. We're better off, you know, in a more totalitarian-like government, et cetera, which in Australia, they're also doing their quarantine camps as well, where they're isol- being isolated, being forced into isolation without their consent. And... You know, I feel like this is like a being a dead horse at this point because yeah. this is just we're this keeps getting brought up and well, it's just so weird that he has all these recommendations, but yet he helped assist in funding the gain of function research. So it's like um, okay, makes you then. wonder what's his true agenda. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, they just recently did a study too, where they uh, they took some um, tests on the actual COVID virus and they found patented. Um, like genes from the flu shots that came out two years later inside the original virus. So, I mean, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, it can mutate and it can, uh, you know, that's what they were going for when they did that, uh, that test. But I mean, dude, there's a patented cell that's in a previous virus. How did that get there? Oh, because it was man-made. And, for the longest time, they were like, oh, this isn't man-made. There's no such thing as a Wuhan lab or gain-of-function research. But, I mean, the data shows there is. And then you even have um, place or uh, sites out now that are confirming it. So it's, okay, so you lied about that. Are you going to say you're sorry, or how do we move from this? No, they just don't talk about it. They don't talk about it, and they gaslight the entire population. And that's what happened during the State of Union dress, where all of a sudden now it's about unity. And, you know, we need to remember that we're human beings and we're Americans first. After for the last year and a half, two years, we've lectured you guys how terrible people you are if you choose not to get vaccinated. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Alex, you haven't gotten vaccinated, correct? Actually, no, I did. Did get vaccinated. But but I actually have a funny story about my vaccination. And so I mean, I guess kind- it's not it's not funny, but. I was going to say, um, that's, I guess this kind of leads into your two stories, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this goes uh, with uh, my job I have now. So when you come a dad, you got to make certain sacrifices in life. And uh, some of it's like the benefit of your family. 
and that's that's just the road I I chose to take. I was actually uh, I was pretty anti-vax because I felt like there was something that wasn't right about it. Because at first it was, you know, the vaccine's available for you guys if you want it, and then it all became all of a sudden you have to get it right now. And I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. So I start doing a little bit of research, and I'm finding out that an emergency authorized vaccine is being mandated. I find out that the required study time for that, um, they conducted similar studies with a different COVID type. Um, and they use that to cover what they're trying to push. So technically they did not do a five-year study with the new vaccines and they're pushing them out. And it just so happened to be by Pfizer where people were getting shushed and, and fired for trying to come out and say things about how bad the vaccine is or some some things that they're lying about, uh, which leads me into uh, me trying to get a religious exemption through the through the military. And um, I'm Catholic, so what I what I went to um, as far as getting this done is I had to go to my priest and talk to him. And basically show my concerns or voice my opinions and my concerns. And, and ultimately, as a Catholic, you have a moral obligation um, and a moral conscience to listen to yourself. And, you know, I'm telling myself I'm not going to get this shot because I don't trust it. And that's something that in the in the church they, they view is it's wrong if you don't listen to your, your own conscience because God gives you that. And that's what... Uh, you utilize to kind of keep you moving around the world right uh, in safe spots i mean everybody has like you know everybody talks about natural selection uh maybe that's the case with some of these shots uh these people are dumb enough to get it and that's honestly how i felt for a while uh it's been what a year and a half and i feel like i'm okay but you know five years ten years down the road you know maybe it's maybe it might be something different but that's what i was willing to go through just for my family um i was I was in the process of getting hired for a job and my supervisor was telling me if I wasn't vaccinated, he doesn't know if he can hire me because they're kicking people out. Um, So that pretty much gave me the hint, like either you get this or you're not getting hired. And so, you know, I went out of my way and I chose to get the J and J because I felt like uh, here's my strategy on this. Right. So everybody in the media, was saying don't get this don't get that don't get this and a lot of us probably didn't trust the media after like for at least the past year a lot of us are come coming to realize that we shouldn't trust the media so i kind of did my own research from people in the military that i've met and i had a personal family member that was also active duty um and they were they were pretty much telling me that this is what they went with and I weighed out the options and then I told my commander what I was going to plan on doing. And he told me not to do what I was trying to do because they wanted me to take the uh, Pfizer shot for some reason. I'm like, it's all the same. None of it's actually like authorized to use, but you guys are making me do this. So I went out of my way and I went off base and I took the J and J and then came back and showed them that vaccination card. And they were all pretty happy after that which makes me sick, but you know, it's just the things you do. I, 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 you know, if something happens to me, um, you know, God forbid that, uh, it does, 
but I did it in the good faith for my family. And that's something the priest kind of was talking to me with or talking to me about is it's kind of honorable that somebody would do something for their family. Uh, but at the same time, uh, my priest was also against it. He didn't, he didn't want the vaccine. He doesn't care for the mandates. And one of the things that upset us was that our archbishop, which is kind of like the, the King dingling when it comes to Catholics <laughs> of, of, of the areas, he was, he was all for it at first. And, uh, and then he came, he comes back and this was like maybe four months ago, he comes back and he says, I retract my statement that I said about COVID vaccinations. Um, it's now back. It's now once again, um, your choice. If you feel like you need, you should get it at your moral conscience. You should listen to your conscience. When during the time he was saying, during the time of my exemption, I mean, he was saying that a good Catholic would go ahead and get the vaccine because in the Bible it talks about being good to thy neighbor and whatnot. But uh, so that's pretty much the 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 route I took as far as getting my vaccine. But I'm not necessarily happy with it. But, you know, I kind of did what I needed to do to survive in the current situation. So let me ask you this. What's the situation like in Kansas right now when it comes to vaccines and masks and everything like that? Like, what has your governor decided to do? Well, a lot of places, especially my schools or the schools around here, were pretty much like you need to wear a mask at all times. And they're pretty much Nazis about it. Uh, And, you know, I did not want my kids wearing masks. So. As soon as I heard that there was a there was a committee opening and there was like a few spots, a few seats open, I started researching some of these candidates that were going to take those seats. And they actually reached out to us. They came to our house. They spoke to me and my wife and we're like, hey, this is what we're looking for. Um, what are you guys promoting? Because you're about to take seats on the education board. And they're, you know, God, faith, country. Uh, family and friends that's that's pretty much their their uh you know values in life and also the freedoms that me and you both can agree on that that we would like to uphold that people every citizen in the united states should have so that's something that i was like cool uh I'm, i'm glad we got some people that are trying to put a stop to some of this and even just as a community it made me aware of how many people you know actually thought alike and that's why my answer to your question previously was if, if most people in the, in the U S really want this stuff, as far as these mandates and these, uh, you know, camps being put up, um, my answer to that was, was, you know, yeah, everybody thinks alike. They don't, they don't want these restrictions put on people. They want the freedoms, um, and all of these mandates, they, they want them to go away and they just want to keep pressing and continue with normal life before COVID. And that's, you know, my wholeheartedly, that's, that's what I think. Um, but back to the education stuff, that, that was one, one thing I saw that my community was doing was they're forcing the vaccine or not the vaccine, but the, uh, the masks. I think the teachers had to get vaccinated and the police officers in the community had to get vaccinated. Um, that was all mandated. And, but as of now, actually as of today no yesterday they withdrew the mask mandates apparently covid's going away as the war in russia you know kicks off i was gonna say is can't does kansas have a democratic governor right now we do well let me tell you something man i actually i like her i really do and this is this is odd because she's a democrat but i think she's more of a conservative than a democrat 
And she likes to hear people out. She likes to uh, investigate on her own, call call BS when when she sees it. But I think she gets fed a lot of crap from a lot of people that are just, you know, in tune with this distortion of, you know, what reality is right now. Well, because at my head, I'm thinking that's the only reason why they would all of a sudden COVID is no longer a thing in the state of Kansas, especially how it seems like she's been very hands off approach, letting police officers, letting schools go ahead and enforce these mandates and uh, mask and everything like that, which it really depends as far as what are your beliefs? You believe actions speak louder than words. And if so, absolutely. And that is, that that is one thing I don't like about that. I didn't like how she was quiet about everything and she just wanted to kind of, you know, not say too much. And that's what, and that's what concerns me and everything like that. And that's what I look for in a leader. Yeah. And especially when it comes to leading a state or leading a country, which we'll get into all of that in the next segment when it comes to uh, <laughs> global issues. Yeah. But um, can they speak out? Do they have the guts to go ahead and, and speak out and stand for freedom, stand for what's right, stand for liberty, which my governor, Rob DeSantis, has taken the polar opposite approach. And he's been very aggressive and yeah. telling hospitals, uh, first respond, first responders and schools, you cannot uh, take this freedom away from people. That you cannot force them to do these things, which I think, again, if I'm looking at a candidate and I'm looking at a politician in particular, and you know they could say the right things all they want, but if their actions don't follow up on it, then to me, they're a fraud. That's just my personal opinion, um, which you live in the state of Kansas. Obviously, you know better about her than I do. But mm-hmm. if I were to see that, I would call her, oh, she's one of them. She's one of those uh, fascists. And honestly, I don't like to say fascist. That's a strong word. But she's a uh, silence is violence. Well, that's why I was lectured at one point. Uh, silence well, in this case is. Yeah. Well, sometimes doing nothing can be worse than doing anything, you know? It'll really sure. tell you. It'll really tell you who they are as a person, but yeah, and I want to make sure I take that back. I'm not. I don't want to overuse because that's. I do think that term gets overused at times. Fascist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't. Want, I want to take that back real quick. I want to retract that statement before <laughs> I get deplatformed, and whatnot. But, um, <laughs> but I do think if you stand by and let this happen. Your contributor, regardless, at the very least, if you let this happen, you let it, yeah. and you, as you see people's freedoms get taken away, and you claim to say the right things, but when it comes time, when shit, when push comes to shove, what do you do at that point? Yeah, I kind of hope that I think wholeheartedly. I think, I think she has a good heart. I think she's she's got a good mindset where she doesn't just shut everybody out and just take one way or just listen from one side. So that's what I like about her. Um, but I mean, maybe she's just too late in the game to, to really keep up with, you know, the hype of things or to be aggressive or to challenge people. Um, maybe she's just not that type of person. Cause you know, some people are, they just don't like confrontation. They don't like to have to deal with that. But if you're a leader, you know, and that goes to the whole voting thing in Kansas as well, man. I mean, they didn't really do a whole lot of good campaigning for the other candidates. Um, 
so I think maybe that that could be that could have some effect on states when when they don't do that. Um, but is Kansas I, is a governorship in Kansas up for election this year? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. I want to say uh, I looked it up pretty recently whenever the education candidates were being elected, but yeah, I can't say for sure. No, in Florida, in particular, Rob DeSantis up for re-election, and mm-hmm. for me. What I learned about Trump is I like people who you know right off the bat. That's who they are. What yeah. you see from them is what you get out of them. I don't like the politician who says the right thing, and then behind closed doors, they go ahead and do the exact opposite. Yeah. Even if even if it's just doing nothing particular. So when I hear something like that, and all of a sudden COVID is disappearing, and it's no longer an issue in Kansas in particular, that's what I think of. I think, oh perhaps it's election year, but that's just my own speculations. Ladies and gentlemen, do not take my word for it. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm just speculating at this point. I don't have any direct evidence, but um, it's just very odd that. Well, I think, I I think they need people to focus on what their message is about to what, like what the messages are that they're about to start talking about. So they kind of want to calm people down. And I think that's the best way that they're doing it right now. And I mean, there's all there's all types of control tactics for for mass populations, and I mean that's just what I think. That's, that's I think that's their move right now, and it, it makes sense because midterms are coming up, a lot of elections all across the state are coming up, so that I think that has a big part um, in it. So uh, that's cool that you can recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the media's tone is starting to change right now. Now that they know that this is midterms and that their side is in for a rude awakening come November because I really believe there's going to be a red tsunami. Like the House is going to go back yeah. to the Republicans. I think the Absolutely. Senate. And I think a lot of governorships, if there there's was a Democrat, there's probably going to lose their seat as well. There go was ahead. a big debate um, in my family about whether Trump was going to run for presidency or if he was going to run for Speaker of the House. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, actually, don't you have uh, something related to Donald Trump and the media? Yes, you do, don't you? About the COVID response and Trump slamming the media for it? Um, let me see. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> basically how the media was at first, they were, they were just saying, you know, Trump's a horrible president because, you know, he's not going to be able to handle this response to this pandemic. And he just he's downplaying it such and such and then he actually put up a video like it was like a little trolling video of all the things he was doing behind the scenes to like kind of help prevent some of the stuff from spreading and you know something that he wasn't really directed to do by medical experts he was just thinking you know hey if i know this guy's sick why don't i shut my door so he can't get into the house but if you need some help we can you know try to call somebody to go help him or something. That's essentially what he did with the borders. And everybody was like, Oh, you shouldn't worry about the virus. You know, this is totally racist for him to shut borders. Like he just doesn't want to deal with people um, that aren't U S citizens. And you know, this is what we were talking about. This is why you shouldn't have elected the guy. Um, But lo and behold, they flipped the script two years or like a year, not even maybe a year later, they were saying, oh, he, you know, he should have done this sooner, should have done that. This is what I would have done. And, I mean, he just put a, put out a video about it. So I think that, that was something that 
everybody was talking smack on on him at first, but the dude did what he was supposed to do. So, and he wasn't even directed by people to do it. He just that's it. That that was his thoughts. So, with that said, would you like him to run again for office of twenty twenty four, or do you rather have him Speaker of the House? <laughs> Man, I think I I would like him back in the presidency i think i would uh i'd put up with the mean tweets <laughs> but i think i would man i think i think that's what we need somebody with an american first mindset that's you know not not willing to back down to the elite or that that is willing to step up to the elites i am on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to this argument and debate i, don't, I think donald trump should go ahead and live his life and let someone else take charge. That said, Rob DeSantis would be a great choice. Rob DeSantis yeah. is a much better spoken individual. He's also not a career politician. He was actually yeah. an army officer and served in Iraq, I want to say, mm-hmm. which that's a huge plus and why really notice the trend here real quick, by the way, that it's the non-politicians that are doing the most good in our country right now yeah especially when it comes to running the government whether it's at a state level or at a federal level they're the ones that are actually accomplishing more and getting more done than these lifelong career politicians or bureaucrats notice that so i would really so i would really like rob DeSantis possibly mainly because not he's basically a younger version of trump but a much better well he's more well-spoken that Donald Trump is. Donald Trump, granted, even though it was comedic at times watching him handle the media, yeah, there were times it would be nice to wear... Because here's the thing with Trump. Donald Trump was the guy that would tell the media you're wrong, but he would never explain why they were wrong. Rob DeSantis, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, he's someone that not only says you're wrong, but he explains why you're wrong, which I think that's what we need at a president level, especially given his background where he's got that military background. Yeah. And, and so he's used to leading granted in the country is a much bigger scale. That's a much bigger deal and everything like that, especially at a state level, which, you know, a part of me would be sad if he left Florida to become president, which, yeah. but if it means a brighter future for our country, I am all for it. Then go ahead and run. He has my vote. Now, if Donald Trump, became the primary ticket on the Republican party. I'd vote for him easily. It's on debate because mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the thing. I don't even think it's not so much that I am a Republican as much as I'm just very anti-left at this point, the radical yeah. left. So you're probably more conservative. That's, that's how I view. Well, yes. And I view the far <laughs> left as Marxist at this point, because they yeah. pretty much promote, government takeover, the mm-hmm. government control of speech, government control of businesses. The rhetoric is straight from the playbook of Karl Marx, literally. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, let me let me be honest. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see and I don't know how many people would agree with me here, but I think let's if we let's get a female president, okay? And let's put Tulsi Gabbard at the list. Because I don't know if you've been following her or anything, but she seems like she's got her head on straight. 
and she did serve in the military. Um, and then also, uh, maybe Ted Cruz, maybe he'd be a guy that should be speaker, speaker of the house, maybe. I mean, well, those are some here's... options. I would, I would like to see some of those guys because I feel like when I watch those guys, they have that same mentality. Or if it's right, they're gonna say it's right. If it's wrong, they're gonna call they're gonna call it out. So here's the thing with those people you just mentioned. My issue with them, to me anyway, and this is where I think you and I defer. I think um, it sounds like I'm maybe more right winged than conservative, maybe, but if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't trust. Tulsi Gabbard, she's saying the right things right now, especially compared to the rest of the Democrat Party right now. She sounds the most sane at this point. But she is part of the WEF with this, like the World Economic Forum, which, you know, that's part of the organization that's trying to take part in the Great Reset. So in my head, again, I just see that and I can't I have a hard time looking past. it. I just think. Does she really believe these things or she's just saying the right things so she could get elected to office no matter what office she's going for? So I have that skepticism. And Ted Cruz as well, even though Ted Cruz's actions when it comes to voting on certain things has been more consistent, every now and then it does come across like you see him like go back and forth. Like when he was talking about the January 6th, situation and he called the people that are there terrorists and Tucker Carlson called him out on it too and said well Ted Cruz you're not someone who just makes these mistakes you're very careful with your words and you purposely chose to use the word terrorist for them and uh, Ted Cruz was kind of like backtrack trying to backtrack what he said and so when I so for me like I would not be surprised if there was He's control. He's also he has a puppet master, I should say. I wouldn't be sorry if he has his own yeah. puppet master as well. So, stay on this train. Your train of thought as far as possible presidential candidates and everything like that. Someone that could handle the media and the media's lies, and you know, go against the really the globalist agenda that's trying to turn into this Marxist utopia, more or less. Lauren Bobert. Is not a bad choice from my perspective. And Taylor, Marjorie Taylor Greene, not for president, but Speaker of the House. Okay. How, about, how about that? <laughs> uh, honestly, I have not been following those guys at all. So, well, they're not me. I will definitely uh, keep you up to date with that. That I'll get, send you some information and interviews from those two. And you can uh, be the judge for yourself, Mm -hmm. but they're non-career politicians either, especially Taylor uh, Green, Congresswoman. Uh, Do you know the podcast, Tim Pool? Tim Pool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he actually had her on like not too long ago when she got deplatformed from Twitter for calling out the studies about the COVID vaccine. (laughs) Oh, she sounds like my kind of people. And she yep. used to be a small business owner. So that's another reason why the elite establishment don't like her. So really anyone who challenges the elite establishment, to me, they are my uh, go-to for choices. Yeah. And if they have like no other history with that particular side, then 
I'm less skeptical of them. So that's why I say about Tulsi Gower, like I have a hard time looking past the fact that she's part of that, especially like someone like Dan Crenshaw, which listen, I don't know. I don't I know think, how I feel about him. That's where I'm at right now. I feel like Dan Crenshaw is kind of like the modern day John McCain where yeah. he's a Republican by name. But when it comes to policymaking, he leans more to the left slash globalism, especially when it comes to his beliefs about foreign fit foreign affairs which we'll get into that soon do you have any final thoughts you want to share for this segment no but that leads into the tulsi gabbard thing um that i was trying to get at was i she called out um this ukraine russia issue and oh, hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll get into that after the break yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. to, we'll have to get into that after the break but cool. do you have any final <laughs> do you have any final thoughts concerning what we just talked about uh no nah, no nah, i'm good man Good on that. Awesome. So my only final thoughts, really, I mean, again, at this point, we're just being a dead horse with the COVID vaccines and everything like that. It sounds like from your experience, I mean, it's just pretty much like a follow on a personal story from last week's story concerning the military vaccine mandates, which, by the way, I mean, it would have been tough for you to get one because only nine service members out of 2.4 million and that's that are in right now. And that includes just active duty, full-time, guard, reserve, uh, officer enlisted. Only nine total service members have actually gotten the religious exemption. So it would have been a very, very tough hill to climb. So I hate that happened to you, my friend. I wish it wasn't the case. I hope hope not to visit your funeral five years down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, man. Me too. I hope to see that happen to you. But – it's uh, one of those things as well where we have to remember at this point it is election year. And so be skeptical. Yeah. Don't forget these things. Don't forget these stories because these stories are the reason why maybe you have your loved one passed away. Maybe your loved one lost their job. They had to give up their livelihood. All of these things that this elite class has been preaching, manipulating, and using from the media to the politicians, even if it means doing absolutely nothing, they're the reason why our country is in this position today. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that when it comes to November. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned. And now to sponsor myself, me, that's right. I have absolutely no money to be made off this. Just getting the word out. Now, if you've ever wondered where I get my Thinking Out Loud monologues from, well, I'm glad you asked because they're just my articles from a Substack newsletters. Just type in the URL at kenjin296.substack.com. RP kenjin296.substack.com. Spell the word engine, put the letter K in front of the word engine, then get Kenjin, one word, 296.substack.com. Then you can follow me on Instagram, Getter, TikTok, and soon Truth Social at Kenjin underscore Express. I repeat, Kenjin underscore Express. Then last but not least, you can follow me on Facebook. Type in Taboo Topic in the search bar. Look for the logo that says Honesty Equals Understanding. There's two episodes a week. I have a hot seat edition where I scrutinize an opinion or story, popular or unpopular. Do my research so to provoke thought. Remember... That also comes with an article on Substack, so don't forget about that, on Wednesdays. Then on Friday, we go over current events where I pick two to four stories I found interesting, and hopefully you do as well. Possibly more if I have a guest. 
then there's a good conversation so we can cover as many bases as possible so you, the audience, have less holes to fill in understanding the truth. That's two episodes a week, guaranteed, which you can listen to this show on any platform from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and more. So stay up to date and tune in. Don't forget to leave a review either. If it's less than a five star, let me know so I can better serve you. Here on this show, we dare to think out loud and question the narrative. Free speech triumphs your safe space because in order for us to think, we have to risk being offensive. If we want to have true peace in our society, we have to be able to be honest with each other. If we can be honest with each other, then we'll have a true understanding that will lead to real peace. Amen? All right, let's get back to the show. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. We, the United States of America, stand with the Ukrainian people. Throughout our history, we've learned this lesson. When dictators do not pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos. They keep moving. And the cost, the threats to the America and America to the world keeps rising. That's why the NATO alliance was created, to secure peace and stability in Europe after World War II. The United States is a member, along with 29 other nations. It matters. American diplomacy matters. American resolve matters. Putin's latest attack on Ukraine was premeditated and totally unprovoked. China will keep its promises on climate? Absolutely not, because they don't do that. They see stupid people that they're dealing with, and they just take advantage of it. Uh, you understand what's happening over there. First of all, they're buying the oil from now. They're buying it all from Iran. When I was there, I didn't allow them to buy. They didn't buy anything from Iran because we were ready to make a deal with Iran. Iran was in a bad position. We were ready to make a deal with them. And, and China understood they can't buy or we would not do business with them. They made a fortune off our country, although I took in hundreds of billions of dollars in tariffs and taxes on China. First time anybody ever took in 10 cents. We took in hundreds of billions. They were not uh, exactly unhappy to see me go with a rigged election. So it was uh, really, it's really something. When I look at what's happening, our country is like, it's run by fools. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Taboo Topic. I am your host. The one and only Ken Drew, joined by my. How's your break, sir? Good, man. Hydrated, ready to roll. Not bad, not bad. Now, you almost got ahead of me there for a second towards the end there, trying to get into talking about Russia and Ukraine situation. This will be the second week that I've covered it on this show, but I let my guests pick whatever stories they want. So, sir. If you would like to go ahead and start us off this segment, uh, you have the floor. All right. Thank you. Um, so like like I was saying, as we were wrapping things up the last segment, um, I saw some video about Tulsi Gabbard pretty much saying that if it wasn't for the U.S. trying to um, influence Ukraine, I think it was I think she said it was uh, Biden and Obama and George Soros that we're all kind of in on this, that 
destabilize the uh, government in Ukraine to kind of put in their democratic so-called government that actually is more communist now than than democratic. But and I mean that all has to do with like banning um, Russian television networks and and firing people, locking people up that you know they they opposed as far as like anybody that tried to run against them in, in the elections. Uh, so, I mean, that, in my book, that's communism, but uh, it all kind of goes with how that affects us and the long scheme of things, just the average day-to-day American. Uh, basically what they're trying to do is destabilize Ukraine. Um, and I mean, I think they've successfully done that. And I think Russia is trying to destabilize what they tried, what they put in there uh, currently right now. I think one of the things that they really don't want is uh, any type of Western power, um, especially anything off the coast that could be a nuclear power. They don't want the U.S. and NATO having anything to do with that uh, because that cuts off a lot of resources for them. Uh, I was looking up a couple of days ago about some of the resources Ukraine has. Um, the One of the big ones, obviously, everybody's talking about is oil and gas and how we shut down all our pipelines. And now, you know, that that's what our agreement was, is we'd, we'd rely on the oil coming out of uh, Russia and, you know, China to kind of help with the U.S.'s, uh, as far as Green New Deal goes, which I think is complete garbage. Um but oil and gas is, is the big thing that's going to affect us. Our price is going to go up. We're seeing it now, but I don't think it's really like gone up as far as it's going to go. I think it's uh, I think it's going to keep going. Um, another one is titanium. So everybody's uh, probably made aware of Elon Musk and you know the the all the goals that he has for SpaceX and um, with NASA and you know out of Ukraine, titanium is one of the big precious metals that they have and. Um, in order for us to, you know, grab some of that, we're going to need Russia to back off a little bit. So I think that has some some uh, some working in the mix uh, as far as, you know, why they're trying to push for NATO and wh- why they're wanting to help out Ukraine in this. When honestly, I think there's there's what they call old Ukraine and there's new Ukraine. New Ukraine was, you know, the, the elites were trying to, to persuade the, the new Ukraine. I'm going to read, read an article here from, uh, um, let's see, from John J. Mersheimer. I hope I said that right. Um, but basically, he's going to talk about why it's why the Ukraine crisis um, is going to get worse and why it would be the West's fault if it does. Um, All right, let's my, hear it. In my opinion, I think Russia and Ukraine, they just need to settle their differences and We need to all stay out of it. But according to the prevailing wisdom in the West, the Ukraine crisis can be blamed almost entirely on Russia's aggression. Russian President Vladimir Putin, the argument goes on next Crimea, out a longstanding desire to resuscitate the Soviet empire. And he may eventually go after the rest of Ukraine as well as other countries in Eastern Europe. In this view, the ouster of Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych in February 2014, merely provided a pretext for Putin's decision to order Russian forces to seize part of Ukraine. But this account is wrong. The United States 
and its European allies share most of the responsibility for the crisis. The taproot of the trouble in NATO enlargement, the central element of the larger strategy to move Ukraine out of Russia's orbit, and in- integrate into the West. At the same time, the EU's expansion eastward of the West backing of the pro-democracy movement in Ukraine, beginning with the Orange Revolution in 2004, were critical elements too. Since the mid-1990s, Russian leaders have eminently opposed NATO enlargement, and in recent years, they have made it clear that they would not stand by while the strategically important neighbor turned into a Western bastion. For Putin, the illegal overthrow of Ukraine's democratically elected and pro-Russian president, which he righteously labeled a coup, was the final straw. I'm going to apologize here. I got something going on in my, my background. I can't figure out where it's coming from. Are you uh, good? There we go. <laughs> After all, the West had been moved, moving into Russia's backyard and threatening its core strategy, strategic interests, a point Putin made emphatically and repeatedly. Elites in the United States and the Europe and Europe have been blindsided by events only because they subscribe to be flawed view of international politics. So basically what he's saying is, um, for example, some of the stuff that he's seen previously with the United States um, and like say George Soros is like when he tried to overthrow the, the pound, the, the Europe or the European currency And what he was doing was buying a bunch of it, selling it to somebody else for a different type of currency, and he waited till it crashed the uh, economy. And then he sold it all back to him for triple and made like $3 billion off of it. Um, So basically, yeah, basically George Soros and, you know, people that, you know, I guess his people he's using as puppets are doing the same thing with Ukraine and the precious metals and all the, uh, you know, the resources that um, Ukraine has. And what they're trying to do is destabilize to gain their um, central global government. And I don't know who's going to run that, but it's it, it looks like all fingers are pointing to China for some reason. So I think <laughs> I think the elites kind of sold everybody out to China, and Russia's kind of standing up like, "Hey, we're not about this life." So. Oh, whoa, whoa, now, Alex, come on, don't be a, yeah. a Russian bot now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just. I'm telling. I'm telling you, like this. Uh, this uh, article says, uh, I mean, they're, they're sympathizer. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't condone what they're doing. I think, you know, they're handling things the wrong way. That's for sure. Uh, as far as killing lots of, you know, innocent people that have nothing to do with this. Um, but essentially Russia's like, Hey, uh, you guys need to get out of this or things are just going to get, get worse. So, and I mean, Putin's kind of a, he's a different man, you know, he does things in a different way, and he doesn't care. And uh, you know, some people uh, right now probably think that he's the worst guy on earth. Um, but I mean, given his situation, I kind of see what he's what he's doing. I don't agree with most of it, but he's kind of been he's been he's he's put in a bad spot right now for the country of Russia. So, and I mean, Ukraine's in a bad spot as well. So it says it, it, either way it ends, it's not going to be good. Well, it sounds like that was your initial reaction to the story. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I was talking to Nikki last week from my last episode, which y'all could check that out, like 
from last week, the week in review, talking about the military lawsuit, abortion, etc., which we have another story about abortion, but that's later. Um, and you can check her show out every Thursday. Uh, with that said, I made the point last week, wouldn't it be something if it turned out that Putin was actually the good guy, despite the media trying to convince us otherwise? Yeah. Des- despite the entire narrative right now, and I say the media, I'm also including the conservative media because the conservative media seems to have gotten on board with this war hawk, warmongering propaganda, from my perspective anyway, and tried to suggest that everything falls in the hands of Russia right now. It is completely, uh, it is 100% Russia's fault. It is 100% Putin being evil and aggressive, which I don't disagree with the aggressive part. It is very aggressive. But you bring up a good point in the sense that we intervened in their government first. And people need to understand that they're, culturally speaking, the people between those two countries go back centuries. So it's yeah. not like the people don't like each other. They actually like each other. And the problem is the West didn't like the fact that the Ukrainian people originally had a pro-Russian government elected in there originally. And so they got themselves involved because they didn't want that. They wanted to go ahead and have a more pro-Western democratic uh president and i say that very loosely because like you said he hasn't really acted like a president Zelensky, Zelensky has acted more like a dictator he has yep. thrown he has thrown people in jail who anyone who disagrees with him he has thrown political opponents in jail journalists in jail and i've heard rumors i'm not sure how uh accurate this is so don't hold me to this, this is again speculation but if it turns out to be true that Perhaps there's some kind of genocide going on as well in the Ukrainian country that no one else knows about. Then who's really the bad guy in this situation is my question. Now, I personally am trying to avoid talking about this on my social media and Mm -mm. mainly because I do believe it's a distraction from the real problems. And I was listening to a podcaster yesterday, actually watching because he has a YouTube channel. You know Jason Whitlock? Uh, no, I don't. Man, everyone I ask every single week, they always say no or I've heard of him. They don't know who he is or I've listened to him. So uh, he's a podcaster. He's on the Blaze TV. He has a show called Fearless with Jason. And he went on yesterday talking about the uh, – He was, it was his response to the State of the Union address talking about how all of a sudden Biden and the Democrats are all pro-America, basically. They become MAGA all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But the thing he was trying to convince, though, as far as the whole Russia-Ukraine situation, is how could we possibly send troops over to a country to defend supposedly freedom? And I say that loosely because I don't think it's really about freedom as the media is trying to make it out to be. And I say that, again, I'm including the conservative right-wing media in this circle now because they've also it's so weird to watch how they've for the last two actually no last six years the last six years the right wing conservative media has questioned everything from the mainstream media on the left and now suddenly they're not questioning them anymore they're just going along with the narrative and actually they did this during the 2020 election which that's a show we'll get into later where the conservative media just kind of shut their mouth and they're like yeah nothing to look here guys but um, more or less to the story that where I was going with that is it astounds me how quick 
the media is trying to basically trying to co- convince and doing so co- trying so hard to convince us this is about freedom and democracy, but yet they're neglecting and conveniently leaving out parts that completely contradict their narrative. Just this yeah. week, there was a story from the Daily Call where I had this person talking about, you know, she's defending for the Ukrainian people. Now, they convenient left out the part in the interview because this interview is on Fox News. And so they posted it and the caption was like, Ukrainian people fighting for freedom, right? Yeah. What they convenient left out was that also in the same interview with, like, within like five seconds, she said, not only am I fighting for the Ukrainian people, I'm also fighting for the new world order that the Democratic West has established or is trying to establish. Sure. Again, well, it's not a secret. <laughs> right. It's, but, they try, but the thing is, they're trying to hide that. Yeah. And they're afraid if people hear that, it goes against their narrative. And because the narrative a lot these days typically isn't the full truth. It's only partially true. And, if, mm-hmm. and that's just putting it nicely. Again, I really think this is just propaganda at this point. They're trying to convince us that we need to get involved, that we need to care about the situation, which the American people, there was a poll. And I don't talk about polls a lot on this show because I don't trust polls anymore, especially from what we've seen. But if polls, for example, say that Joe Biden has a low approval rating, chances are it's probably a lot lower than they're willing to admit, just like with oh, Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. If polls say he's like at a 40% whatnot, chances are it's probably a lot higher because the media is very pro-Biden, very anti-Trump, which means, like I said, chances are it's probably a lot higher. So with this particular poll, I want to say, I can't remember which one exactly it was, but this one had at least 70% of the American people not having an appetite to get involved with this Ukrainian-Russia situation and, or send uh, boots on the ground. Chances are that's probably a lot higher, and the majority of Americans do not want to get involved. And I'm only saying that because Jason Whitlock was making the argument that how could we possibly think about sending troops over there when we can't even take care of ourselves right now? Our country internally is a mess, and we are collapsing hardcore from the immigration system to our economics with inflation, all the way to our racial divisions with critical race theory being installed and our freedoms taken away with all these vaccine mandates and very becoming anti-God as a whole. Like, how on earth... Can anyone expect us to go to war or even put foot boots on the ground where we're so divided right now? It's again just collapsing eternally. You know what I'm saying? So that's my first initial reaction to your story. It's not something that I really wish. If they're gonna talk about this, at least be honest and give the full story. And I brought this up last week. Like there's also like biolabs too, where Oh yeah. That's also that's that's actually confirmed. There are biolabs in Ukraine. Did, did you see what they did recently, though? No, what did they do? The the U.S. embassy took all the information they, about that and they and burned they, it. They, they yeah, they destroyed it. Why? Well, again, it goes back to it kind of goes into our beliefs about is there a deep state? Which, if you ask me, I, I think do there believe there's. I, I think there's there deep. St- I think there's a deep state too. So I think. <laughs> They definitely don't – there's definitely something going on there that they don't want the people to know about yeah. um, because if they found out about it, well, then again, 
we're seeing a lot of these situations where we could present the truth to someone and they're still not going to willing, they're not willing to acknowledge that they may be in the wrong because especially the millennial generation, for some reason, we're such sticklers about being right. We're too afraid to admit we're wrong about something. So with that said, if it turned out to be that there was some agenda to where those bio labs, because Bill Gates has also speculated, and again, now we're getting to conspiracy, tinfoil ads, conspiracy theories. Yeah, let's we go. Have, yeah, we're not, we don't have direct evidence, all right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, if it turned, Bill Gates made a comment, you know, when I was talking about earlier, where Bill Gates talking about if more countries did what Australia did, it would help with pandemics more. He also yeah. talked about, you know, he also happened to mention like future pandemics as well. Which I beg the question, what do you mean future pandemics, Bill? Pandemics is not something you can predict or suggest unless you know something that's going on oh, behind wait. closed doors. <laughs> Means So in my head, I, again, now I, I am speaking, speculating, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I don't. I sound like I'm a little bit of Alex Jones right now, but I digress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you said earlier, you know, it's like uh, I think you said something like um, – about crimes, you know, everybody can get away with it, but not me or something. Rules for like thee, that, but not for me. Yeah, that's that's what you said. Yeah, I mean that that's that's it right there. You know, he's considered one of the, one of the people that would be elites. So, you know, that's, and that then, is, it is what it is. I mean, his freedoms aren't going to be affected, but everyone else, no, you guys have to give up your freedom. But yeah, in order for people to go ahead and because the thing here i think what what happened during the pandemic it gave the elite class confidence that they could make people willingly give up their freedoms which i think that looking back on now and i understand hindsight's 2020 uh, monday yeah. night quarterbacking but looking back on it now it was a mistake oh, to yeah. go ahead and actually give our freedoms away so easily we but should've... i will say this i will say this though whenever it came out and everybody's like, you should wear masks. China's been doing masks to help prevent things. Um, and then we're going to come out with a vaccine for this, hopefully. I was all for it, man. And then two weeks goes by, three weeks goes by. I'm like, okay, what the hell? What's going on? What's going on with this thing? Definitely. And obviously what happened with Canada in the end, it turned yeah. out it was never about the science or you know, safety of, for health purposes. It was just about power and yep shoving down power against our throats and pursuing this, uh, I'd like to call it a hybrid Marxist version of globalism, basically. Well, it was all weird timing as well. Yeah, and I don't think they meant for the virus to leak out of the lab the way they did either. And I don't think, and I think they highly underestimated people uh, Mm -hmm. and their ability to see some some of their BS and not comply. Um, which it's so weird to say that terminology, like don't comply. Yeah. Like why, why is that a vocabulary in my, in my rhetoric these days? It shouldn't be part of my rhetoric. This is America. Yeah. This is America. Like this should have even been a question to begin with, but not to get too off track to go back to the whole Russian Ukraine situation. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they're in those bio labs in Ukraine, it was used to create another pandemic. As a matter of fact, Russia, has been rumored to accuse our side, the West, to have those mm-hmm. biolabs for biological warfare, which yep. that's pretty much the whole reason why the uh, Wuhan lab theory, Wuhan lab uh, experiments with the COVID virus 
occurred. It was really for biological warfare. And there's going to be people who disagree with me on the idea of its intent. And they're going to say, I don't have direct evidence. But the thing is, they also don't have direct evidence to suggest it wasn't used as a biological weapon. Or that was the purposes for that as well. Yeah. That was the intent. So, again. The needle, the needle points more to, it, it, you know, it was made for warfare. I mean, the timing of it all was weird. You know, and Donald it, Trump it, it, happened to be election year too for Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> yeah. Which again, and there was there was um, reports. Uh, I think Pelosi said something. She's like, "We got something for him," or you know, like I, there there was other people saying that you know he, he's gonna have so, a hard year I, if he does get reelected. I I do want to clearly get to kind of get back to the story a little bit to the yeah. Russia Ukraine situation. Yeah. I do want to point out real quickly that I think today. Uh, apparently, after the State of Union, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden was hard stance against Russia, strong rhetoric against Putin. Yet, as of I think as of today, from what I saw, he has given uh, the Russian government around 18 billion or million dollars to Russia, which wait a minute. I thought Russia was the bad guys in this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down here. <laughs> I mean. Again, it just there's so many things about this story that just is not adding up from the, what the media is telling us right now. And again, if the truth with the truth, there's less holes to fill. That's the point, right? If the truth is being presented, then we have less questions to ask. If it's some, if there's no questions to be asked, though, I mean, excuse me. If the if the narrative is not the truth, then we're going to start asking questions because. We're not stupid. And I think, again, they really think we're that dumb <laughs> when it comes to these things, which gets into my story. And some of this is going to kind of get back into that speculation mode a little bit for minus reaction. But really quick, the synopsis, we're going to go to Taiwan because last week with Russia going on Ukraine, which we could argue they took advantage of Biden's weak leadership. All right. I mean, oh, yeah, they let's be honest, especially that was a big part of it had to be, especially after what the world witness of how we how we we withdrew from Afghanistan, which I don't know about you, but that affected me more than I thought it would when I saw those clips. Um, but anyway, not to get too off track, but during that time, anyway, it looks like China may be thinking the same uh, as they had eight Chinese uh, J-16 fighters and one Y-8 Renaissance aircraft fly over an area to the northeast of the Taiwan-controlled Paradis Islands. At the top end of the South China Sea, per CNBC reports. Now, there is something. Now, is there something deeper going on? I have no clue, which I guess that's my initial reaction to this story. Um, really? I know it's not a deep synopsis or anything like that. Um, but actually, hold up. There is more. So, <laughs> this is also per Yahoo News as well and reports from Reuter. That major cities across Taiwan, including the capital of Tapiti, I hope I said that right, have seen widespread power failures after reported incident accident at a power plant. The nation's econ- economic affairs minister Wang Milua said an accident had occurred at a power plant in southern Taiwan, according to a report by a state-linked central news agency. The ministry would, the ministry said they would deal with the matter urgently. She added, the outage. Affected some 5 million households in that country. State-run power operator Tai Power said there had been an incident with a transformer at the power plant 
in the southern city of Kanoshin. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and they were activating backup sources of power. The power plant reportedly revised around seventh of Taiwan's power. Taiwan-based TSMC, the world's largest contract chip maker, said a number of its plants had experienced short power dips. It added that it was checking if there was any actual impact, uh, according to Reuters report. A press conference Thursday, Ms. Wang apologized for the outage, adding the northern parts of the island would have their power back by noon and that power would start being restored in the southern parts of mid- from midday. Uh, Taiwan's president, Tasi Ing-wen, was set to meet the U.S. ex-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. She said in a Facebook post that scheduled a live stream of her chat with Mr. Pompeo had to be temporarily canceled as a result. Local media outlet Taiwan News had earlier on Thursday report chaotic scenes at road junctions as traffic lights failed to function. Traffic police have been dispatched to direct vehicles and fire trucks deployed across cities to deal with emergencies such as rescuing people trapped in its in lifts, the news outlet report. Now, I do think Taiwan has less of a reason to not tell the truth, but mm-hmm. I do want to – I don't know. Something about – it's just all. The, it's just the timing. I think is what throws me off, right? The timing of everything. Just it seems to just fall. It's like it's falling in line, almost too good to be true, right now, right? And this is why I said, like, is there something deeper going on? Because listen, as far as the regular Jones consent is concerned, to kind of go back to really the story of Ukraine, Russia, I do sympathize with the people that are in the crossfires of this globalist scheme. Yeah. And as far as regular Joe and Jane in Taiwan, I hope their people and military are able to fend off the Chinese communist party when they try to take over the country. Yes. It's a sovereign country. However, the globalists will deny this. As a matter of fact, there was a, (laughs) there was an interview last year where a journalist was asking someone from the UN saying, do you recognize Taiwan as a legitimate country? And they just cut her off. They just ended the interview, but (laughs) a kind of eerie feeling, but uh, fast forward in order to maintain consistency, whatever happens there is really none of our business. Again, we're just not in a position to go to war. It's not that our military isn't capable, which honestly you're in, you know more at this point than I do, but I don't know where we're at as a military anymore what's going on with the whole social justice projects. I was lucky for most of my time, Trump was in office, so we didn't have to worry about these projects per se. I digress. When you look at our economy though, like I said, the state of our sovereignty at the border, our rights, just the morale of the American people, we're like, we just can't get get ourselves involved. And I know the Warhawks, they're probably going to get mad with, with what I have to say, but we have to come to grips that sometimes the right thing to do for our country is to stay out of it. It's not a popular opinion, but a necessary one, especially now. I know this will likely, I know this would happen, most likely wouldn't happen under Trump. I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't say for sure. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is def- if Donald Trump were in office, this would never happen. Which, well, the thing about it is, it, it probably wouldn't have because we'd still have our pipeline. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying I, I don't yeah. have a crystal ball, right? So I can't yeah. say for sure China wouldn't try to invade Taiwan if Trump went in office. But yeah, uh, it was just a slightly different take from what I said a week ago um, where I kind of was like that adamant, like this would never happen under Trump, which, again, 
I don't have a crystal. At the end of the day, I don't have a crystal ball. But let's get let's give some nuance to the conversation. I say that because Trump was that alpha male, mm-hmm. not to tell, not afraid to tell you his thoughts. And chances are, if he said he was going to do something, he did it. So that's my initial thoughts on this story. What are your initial thoughts? Um, I honestly, I think what what's happening is somebody's running a test on Taiwan right now, and I think they're able to get into the grid. And I think that demonstrates right there that they have a lot of power more than what we're thinking. And whether it's China or it's, you know, somebody else, uh, you know, that's above my head. But I mean, ultimately I think this isn't just a coincidence. I think that's, you know, somebody has a reason for what they're doing. And from my knowledge, um, from my network tactics is what people usually try to do is they, they hack into something they collect the information they're looking for, the data, and then they reset the system so there's no trace. And I think that's what happened here, and that's what's been happening all over the U.S. I mean, something happened uh, pretty recently where, like, I think it, I want to say it was, like, two, maybe a year year ago where there was something going on with the gas. They shut down some of our gas, and everybody thought it was the Russians. I was going to say, yeah. I also remember a story in Italy where apparently in the Vatican or something along those lines, somewhere in Italy, like the power mm-hmm. shut off as well, right? Yeah, uh, and it happens more frequently than what we think um, in in certain areas. But it just makes you wonder, like, you know, why are they doing this? What's behind it? Um, and I, I think, honestly, uh, it has a lot to do with data collection. I think that's what they're doing. Like collecting intel? Something. I mean, what else is the reason to, you know, I guess probe a system to <laughs> test its strength? Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, what do you think, though, as far as, like, what would your thoughts be if China were to invade Taiwan? Do you agree with me or do you have a different approach to the situation? Like, I th- No, I absolutely. I think they want Taiwan because, I, I mean, it, whoever owns Taiwan owns the sea routes. So I think that's the the big thing with tai, Taiwan. Um, I'm asking you though, like, do you think we ought to get involved in that situation more? Let's go back to the '60s. I think that's what everybody was thinking in the '60s: is hey, we shouldn't get involved in places. And I mean, you know, now it's flipped the script. The the guys, the far left back then is now not the far left. You know, they're they're saying they want wars. Um. So I mean, I think that honestly, I think. We should we should stay out of that. Um, I mean, that's a conservative view, I think. And you know, many years ago, it was the opposite. You bring up a good point that it seems the roles have. Well, no, take it back because I I like to push back a little bit because, at least from what I've seen on the conservative media end, you would think that they want us to get involved. They want us to send put boots on the ground because we're the world superpower. Yeah. And we need to make sure we let the whole world know that we are the baddest, biggest, baddest, badasses in the world, and we're yeah. ready to kick some ass. But again, like I said a moment ago, our country is not doing so well internally right now. So I think I think we have potential. I don't think it. I think it looks like we're really weak, but that that's only because the people that are like the the normal people, the common people, they're not really um, doing anything to show the strength. I mean, it's just everybody's trying to live their day and get through and, you know, have the great life that we've all been dreaming of. And, you know, since we were kids, I think that's what the focus is on. 
And when it really starts to affect us is when we're going to see how strong the American people really are. Well, I think in order for us to actually get behind a conflict, mm-hmm. there's going to be have to be like another Pearl Harbor incident or another 9-11 incident to where we're being attacked on American soil because that's really the only time where yeah. Americans have actually galvanized and united to seek justice for what happened. Because if yeah. you think about what happened after Pearl Harbor, right? Pretty much everyone's united and sending having troops over there, right? Yeah. When you think about after 9-11, majority of Americans, strong majority, supported sending boots to Afghanistan to seek out Osama bin Laden and take out the Taliban who were responsible for 9-11. Yeah. Right now, really, the issues that take place overseas, it's not something we can't fix here. For example, the whole oil situation with Russia. We don't have to buy oil from all these other countries when we have oil reserves right here the second largest oil reserve in the world that has not really been tapped into a whole lot because we only had four years really where we had a guy that tried to push for independent energy uh become an energy independent excuse me and now we're back to the whole dependence which that's why we're seeing these high gas prices and why we're so dependent upon other countries which i mean that's contributing to the inflation especially when it comes to gas prices oh my gosh I know where it's at in Kansas right now, but today I saw gas yeah. prices reaching at 370. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm almost, this is like back in high school again. When I started driving, I was, the gas prices were at $4 a gallon. And that was like during the Obama years, which what you could argue that Joe Biden is Obama 3.0, but you could also say that Joe Biden is Jimmy Carter 2.0, but depends on which generation you're from. Yeah. And, from, and for us, like, we didn't grow up with Jimmy Carter, obviously. So for us, it'd be Obama 3.0. Yeah. Uh, maybe Obama 3.0 on steroids. Because I think what Obama did was really set up the, uh, really set up the pathway to a more socialistic slash communist society for Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden is just kind of like, bringing the hammer down, or at least he's trying to, but again, mm-hmm. they are highly underestimating the people's willingness to go along with these extreme ideas. Um, but and that's, why, think- that's, that's why I think it's so important to have honest and fair elections. And when there's any type of issue with that, it needs to be thoroughly investigated and they need to hold people accountable. And then, well, they'll get ahead of me right now, man. We're yeah. almost, we're, we're not there yet, sure. but we're not there yet. But um, I'm just gonna I don't know. I just think, and again, I sound like I don't feel for these people. I know last week I said I just don't care. Like, it's not – when I say I don't care, it's not that I don't care about the people actually being affected, like the people that are in the middle of all this. It's oh, yeah. terrible Like for with them. Russia and Ukraine, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not that I actually want these people to suffer. It's not that I want them to get – to not fight back to what they perceive to be an invasion or yeah. unjustified. But you also – you have to understand for at least for us, you have to understand the situation we're in. We have to be realistic with ourselves. Yeah. And, and this kind of gets into what I think I'm going to, to what George Washington was trying to elude when our country was first founded to not get caught up in foreign affairs because of mm-hmm. situations like this. And it's weird too, that one of the reasons why we even got involved in world war one or why there was a world war one to begin with was because of all these alliances that countries had with each other, and they pretty much promised each other, well, if this country is going to war, then we promise this country we're going to go to war with them. And yeah. then they had other treaties, which 
you would think we would have learned our lesson, but it seems like we're kind of, we're repeating the same mistake over and over again. And this should be a lesson for us right now that we should not make promises we're not we know we cannot keep, especially given our leadership. And we never know the position that our leadership, uh, the people we're gonna the leader that we're gonna elect into office. And we also cannot guarantee either that our country as a whole will be in a position to afford to send troops overseas to fight for another cause. But yeah. uh, I do hope. And I know there's stories where we had Marines training Taiwan uh, soldiers in case China invaded mm -hmm. uh, Taiwan. But we've been doing that everywhere, too, just to kind of help prevent um... – you know, that, that from happening, takeovers from happening. Yeah, and I guess my final thought for this segment in particular is that we just have to be, we have to be realistic with your, with ourselves at this point. We really do, because I don't think, and it seems like you and I are in the same boat, like we're just, we're just not in a position right now. And we don't, the American people just do not have an appetite to get involved. We just got out of a 20-year war from Afghanistan. What makes you think that we're ready to go ahead and send troops again, especially considering that we have left behind over roughly nine to 15,000 American civilians in Afghanistan, just abandoned as of today, as we're speaking right now. Yeah. And it bothers yeah. me that the media, especially the conservative media that's supposed to be all pro American, pro MAGA all of a sudden, they're more focused on these affairs than the fact that we have a president that has literally abandoned Americans and people who were, legally registered here who decided to go overseas and help out with a cause in Afghanistan that got just abandoned, left behind, and no one says a thing. And, you know, I, I could go on a tangent now, but I'm going to try to control myself because, you know, I want you, I don't want to monopolize uh, your time. <laughs> and also, um, you have to have a say in this as well. So <laughs> those are my final thoughts really about this, these two stories, this segment. Uh, I will, uh, actually, I will actually pray for the people, for both the Ukrainian, actually just everyone who's in the crossfires of our, uh, these elite class that's just trying to see, seize power at this point. So what are your final thoughts? I think it's sad to, you know, it's sad to hear about all that with Ukraine and it's sad to hear that possibly Taiwan might be next. Um, but, you know, I hope the people of Taiwan, the people of Ukraine that see what's going on, they can actually uh, do something about it to kind of prevent or prolong, um, I guess, the takeover that's happening. Um, so that's, that's my thoughts on it. And yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely not if China's going to try to invade Taiwan, it's more when they're going to do it. So they're definitely going to try to take advantage of the current president. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break. And now to take a short break from the show to keep my promise and bring in awareness to the situation in Afghanistan where we have about 9,000 American citizens who were left behind as a result of the disastrous withdrawal efforts by the Biden administration last year. The elite globalist leaders, the media, and big tech may have forgotten about them and would rather focus on other manners, but the reality is we have Americans 
who are in harm's way because nobody wants to hold our leaders accountable. It's just too inconvenient for them. So this is a special shout out to the families and friends who have someone they know and love stuck in that country and also to the very ones who are stuck there. You are not forgotten. And I'll keep mentioning you until there is a report. There is a concentrated effort to bring you home. And every single one of you comes back to American soil. Please, if you fall into one of these categories, either you're the family friend that knows someone that's there and you want to, want to let me know how we can better help you out, please reach out. Or if you're that person that just so happens to be stuck there and you're happy to be listening to this episode, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me through my personal account on Instagram at Kenjin296. I repeat, Kenjin296. Spell the word engine. Put the letter K in front of the word engine, then you get Kenjin, one word, 296. Please, you are not forgotten. Uh, to my audience out there, don't forget to pray. Let's pray for their safety and their return home. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your one and only host, Ken Drew, joined by my friend Alex for this last segment of the show. How have you enjoyed the show so far, my friend? I've enjoyed it, man. It's been good catching up with you, talking to you a bit about this stuff. I mean, it's good to it's good to voice it. So, yeah. I mean, we'd have deep conversations when we were deployed too. So, it oh, almost yeah. seems like it almost seems like we're just picking up right where we left off. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing uh, about the military. When you, when you find people and you guys kind of connect and you can find the same plane fi- or uh, like you're on the same playing field there. I thought you so. said playing field, in which that would be very, you know, kind of a pun there because we literally worked on an airfield <laughs> with a bunch of planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I that's, mean, that's pretty much it. like me and uh, Seagrass. We can we can call each other and, and bullshit. And, and, friends uh, with Seagrass? 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Like uh, you, you're talking in the beginning of the show. Uh, you said Chase is that? Uh, is oh, that... Helms. Yeah. It's Seagrass. I remember. I remember that name. That makes more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I see. Yeah. He's a, he's a good now. buddy of mine, man. We, we got. We. I mean, let me tell you, man. Me and this guy, we'd go on runs, and we'd challenge each other. We would run on a treadmill for like seven miles and try to get the fastest time. And we just always did it, man. And he's, you know, he's an older guy too, so he can he can still keep up, man. He's like, he's like the closest person I've met that has a mindset and a, you know, physical, I guess, will like Cameron Haynes or you know Jocko or uh, you know some of those other guys that are up there doing wild stuff. I remember Seagrass being. I remember being Seagrass being the nice guy. He's like one of the nicer guys to, towards yeah. me. Especially yep. everyone else was kind of like just wrote, wrote me off like oh this guy hates life but Seagrass actually tried to like be, befriend me and yeah, eventually he, I I eventually opened up to him and it's like oh, he's actually a nice guy I appreciate him is, actually dude. tried I actually appreciated him trying to like make a connection with me at the time because uh, like I said a lot of people would probably would have looked at me and said man this guy hates life why would I associate with him which to be fair I did kind of hate my life at that moment. <laughs> Yo, can it's I like, bring up something? Go ahead. Remember when you brought up the whole "you're not eating meat" thing? Yeah, I remember. I'm, I'm, still, then, on, I'm still on the plant-based diet, in case you're wondering. By the way, well, it was so funny to me because you said, "Man, I can't do this. Not out here." <laughs> me? It, yeah, yeah. It, it was something about the food. You're like, I can, I can probably do the vegan diet. Or yeah, I think that's what you were saying. It, you could probably do that when you're like outside of a deployed area, but out there for some reason you're like, I just can't do it. <laughs> and you, I don't you, remember that. You went like two <laughs> weeks trying it out, and then you were just miserable, dude. <laughs> and then you finally gave in, and then you told me you quit it for a minute, and but you'll try it when you get back. I mean, I give props to you for trying that, man. There's a lot of stuff we all tried out there that was unique. <laughs> I mean, I did try. I mean, I've somewhat kept up with it. I've had my cheat days and cheat moments and everything mm. like that, especially during the holidays. Like, I'm not going to be that guy that goes see my family and say, oh, you know, I'm vegan or I'm plant-based. I don't eat meat, so please don't serve that to me. Like, if you serve it yeah. on the table for me and I visit you, like, I'll eat it. I'm not going to uh, I'm not to protest to go to PETA for killing all these animals and everything like that, which that's one thing I didn't realize about veganism. Like it's its own religion. I didn't realize like yeah. how serious people took that. And, the one, and I didn't realize like, that's why it has such a bad rap because of those people. Not because, yeah. and that's the, and the only reason why I even did it was because of the diet, the whole dietitian, the nutrition aspect. Like I thought there was a lot of benefits to it. And apparently from my blood type, it actually more beneficial if I stick to a more plant-based diet supposedly mm -hmm. I do remember a conversation when you were like yeah I could do a vegan diet myself and I'm like yeah, really man. but you're I was like really you sure about that because <laughs> you're eating eggs at the time I was like you're gonna have to give up eggs you know you're like oh hell no I'm not giving up eggs yeah like okay yeah I remember that now <laughs> yeah because I thought originally you, you could still be vegan and just eat eggs I'll be vegetarian <laughs> at that point you could be vegetarian yeah. and still eat eggs which Honestly, I'll take that. I'll take that number then, because I could do that. Now, so when I say plant based, I'm not a vegan. It's more like that vegetarian at this point. Like, so I'll eat eggs every now and then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what I like to do now. I just feel <laughs> better. I feel better when I just don't eat a lot of crap. 
to be honest. And when I eat eggs and then like if I have a good breakfast and I stay away, if I have like a nice steak, like maybe once a month, my body is like balanced for the whole month. But like I don't need it every day. I can eat. Um, I can go without chicken. I can go without bacon. I can go without ham. I mean, I can honestly go without a lot of that. But if if I lose out on breakfast, I'm like a different person. And I feel healthier as long as I at least get eggs. Yeah, I will say that. So I've been talking to a dietitian for like the last couple of months because I've been taking advantage of the fact that I'm 100% disabled and the VA covers all my medical expenses now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I asked like, Hey, could I get a referral for a dietitian? I'm like, yeah, sure. But the doctor's also kind of confused. Like, why is this guy asking me to get a referral for a dietitian? But in my mind, it's like, I'd rather be proactive than reactive mm-hmm. with my health. So I was like, let me talk to a dietitian. Cause I was gaining weight again. And yeah. the dietitian uh, gave me like some recommendations for uh, diets and how to change my diet to more healthier. But so, um, one of the things I've been how to cut down, obviously, is the fast food aspect, which while you're deployed, that's easier to get away from. But when you're back in America, man, it gets hard sometimes. Well, especially especially if you're like deprived of it and you're like craving certain things. And that's what you're looking forward. That's what you're looking forward to when you go back. Um, is honestly yeah. like, like I was looking forward to Chick-fil-A sauce again. Dude, no, no, no. Like I actually have the bottles now of Chick-fil-A in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chick-fil-A. That's the first, and I stay true to my word, too. I remember yeah. I was telling everyone at our element and people from Lackland, like, hey, listen, the first thing I'm going to do when we get back to America is like, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. That's the first thing yeah. I'm doing. And I stayed true to that. That's the first meal I had when I got back, stepped foot on American soil again. And it's, you know, before we get started, I guess I want to tell the audience real quick. Like, when you're overseas, one thing I think is cool about being overseas I didn't realize at the time in America, we get caught up in, like, the identity politics of, like, African-American, Hispanic-American, like that. But when you're overseas, you're just known as American. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Especially, like, when I was in Germany and I was going through the lines and the security and everything like that, there was, like, an army guy behind me. He was a black dude and everything like that. But the fact that he recognized my American accent and everything like that, it gave me com- – and I recognized his accent. It gave me comfort like, oh, he's just another American in this foreign land that we're in. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, it's – people – that's – when we go to other countries, that's what they're going to – that's what they're going to notice first is our accents. And they're going to think, oh, America. They're not going to think, oh, he's a black American or Hispanic American or German American, et cetera, whatever. They're just going to think he's American or she's American. So that's one cool thing about deployment that I do uh, – I did – appreciate looking back on it now is that camaraderie and the fact that you know we're a bunch of americans just kind of being told what to do in this foreign land that really none of us want to be there except the only benefits of being there is really the money monetary aspect so (laughs) that did that did have a lot to to you know play in that my thing was i really enjoyed some of the guys i met and, or and actually, one of them was me, of course, yes. as you're on the show. <laughs> yes. Most of the guys I met out there, I enjoyed. And there were some funny people. Just everybody, like we had people from Arkansas um, that were hilarious. There was people from uh, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, Alabama that were hilarious. Patel, were remember Patel? A, not, no, I don't remember that. I don't remember that one. 
But uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of guys, and you you meet some guys with interesting stories and how they got in the military. I know there was one guy who lost like 200 pounds to get in the military. That's a lot of weight, 200 pounds. And I mean, that's an inspiring story for anybody. If if you're going through struggles and you know you can establish a goal for yourself and stick to it. You also meet some really weird people, though, too. And I remember there's yeah. one guy in particular. He was from the Alaska team. That I'm pretty sure they actually got, they actually booted him oh, back yeah. to Alaska. I know who you're talking about. He's out. Yeah, he yeah. was. He, he has a weird dynamic with his marriage. We'll just leave it at that. It's very polygamous. <laughs> yeah, that and guy I, was. That guy was. He was a wild man. He was a wild dude. He just thought he could talk to people, especially females, however he wanted to, and he had no remorse. Yep, and it was, uh, I mean, it kind of gets into today, what my story is, I guess, with the whole uh, just different paradigms about the world and morality and everything like that, which I'm going to go back to the story of abortion. Now, I know the last, gosh, I want to say the last month or two, like I've at least covered one or two stories of abortion a month, maybe back-to-back weeks or so, and I'm really passionate about this subject. Um which if you've listened to this episode, you still at this point that I am an abolitionist. Like, I don't believe abortion should be legal for any purposes. Okay. And I've expressed my opinions on that. But the reason this story in particular, the Senate Democrats tried to pass a bill that was passed in the House last year called the Women's Health Protection Act. Uh, they needed 60 votes but did not work as Democrat Joe Manchin joined with, joined with Republicans in voting against this bill. Now, what did this bill do exactly? More or less federalized abortion rights, which uh, would pretty much overpass the state laws that ban abortions or restrict abortions, uh, which that statement is an oxymoron. Um, however, that, this is supposed to be in preparation of a post-Roe v. Wade era where the Supreme Court rules in favor of overturning the 1973 Supreme Court ruling, which, again, that's not guaranteed, but it's possible, very possible especially with the uh, majority conservative justices. And I say that a little loosely because I don't think Justice Chief Roberts is a conservative judge at this point. Um, But that's just my speculation. I digress. But we'll get an official answer from them sometime in June. Uh, Now, this is from multiple sources, which such as the Washington Times, NBC, Yahoo News, etc. But Democrats think this will help them come election time painting Republicans as the anti-women, sexist, etc., like they normally do. That said, there is indication that conservatives are winning the argument as there's polls that show the majority are in favor, favor of limiting abortion to the first trimester at least and leaving it to the states to decide what abortion codes work best for their state. Which, these polls, like I mentioned earlier, are t- typically heavily biased towards leftist ideas and leftist politicians. So, Pro-abortion advocates, uh, we're going to get a higher, typically they're going to get a higher polling than they're willing to admit. That said, here's my initial reaction. I'm going to go a little bit different route today because, like I said, at this point, everyone knows where I stand on the topic of abortion. I'm, again, an abolitionist, so I don't have to beat a dead horse at this point. So let's talk about the political game this time around because I think we have two sides that feel very strongly about this issue, first and foremost. And believe that their approach to the manner is a winning argument. 
The Democrats feel this would be the case when Youngkin ran for governorship in Virginia last year. But it turned out people were more concerned about vaccine mandates, their children being taught critical race theory in schools, stance on police issues. Abortion was almost an afterthought at that point. So, as usual, I think the Democrats are overestimating how popular their stance is. You may have, you may, as much as you may want something, I mean, listen, even I know my position isn't a popular one. Let's get, but let's get settled back into reality. Seems like Alabama is as close as you can get to an outright ban. Besides the mother's life being endangered, that's pretty much where they're at. Which I'm surprised they haven't, it hasn't been on the news or been part of the conversation in legal terms. Regardless, the idea of federalizing abortion is not a popular stance. At least not to the level they think, which that seems to be a reoccurring pattern um, from people up, up top at that level. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, we have states such as New York and Illinois where you can go up all the way to the ninth month, maybe up to the moment of birth, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's Illinois, to be more specific. But um, good thing the filibuster still exists, which the filibuster just basically mean you have to pass with a simple majority and completely ignore the minority, which in our Constitution we have to have 60 votes, two-thirds of the votes in Senate in order to pass legislation technically, including when it comes – trying to get rid of the filibuster? Yep, and Joe Manchin said, no, we need the filibuster. And, uh, you know, I think he's actually a a conservative. But They flipped the script on that, too, because, like, when Obama was in, they wanted the filibuster, and then now, recently, they were like, oh, we shouldn't have this. And Wasn't that the deal? Yeah, that's been the deal. It's revenge politics, right? Whoever's in power, they want to make sure they are able to pass – the legislation, their agenda that they want to pass without having to actually worry about going through the minority uh, population or at least the Chamber of Congress, the minority party. So, yeah, good th- more or less of the story, good thing the filibuster yeah, still exists because we'd be in serious trouble. That is my last story, but what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm very anti-abortion um, as well. And I find it ironic that our current sitting president is, you know, claiming to be a Catholic, but he's not saying anything about abortion when the subject comes up. Um, but I think, yeah, I think everybody should. Uh, um, I think they should be on the same page when it comes to that. So, a federal abortion bill. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do with this, but I'm glad it got blocked. And, you know, I think they use certain wording in the bill, like uh, may, and instead of like words like shall or must, I think that's a, that's a good thing um, as far as like the counter bill goes. But yeah, definitely don't, I don't agree with, uh, you know, abortion. So do you think the conservatives have the winning argument in regards to abortion? Do you think people are going to care when it comes to the polls this election in November? I, I think I think they do, but that's you know my opinion. What? How about this? For more, you're at in Kansas. Like, do you think people have other issues they're more concerned with than abortion, or is abortion like one of those issues they are actively thinking about? I think for Kansas, 
it is more of an issue because we didn't have a we we're we're considered a reds a red state with a blue governor you know um i don't think we had the the big issue of as far as politics goes between the left and the right we're pretty much on the right when it comes to that as far as being a republican or conservative um so i think some of the states that you know were further to the left i guess would probably not have as big as big as big of an issue with abortion um being blocked as far as uh, other states that you know don't have those same struggles and i think that plays a part into it because they're worried at that at that point they're worried about getting republicans out they don't care about um you know as far as getting abortion blocked but they are going to play that there are they are going to have that play a part in some of their candidates um as far as when they go against each other but i think kansas some of the red states are going to have a bigger issue with this but i don't think it'll be enough to like swing to let's let's say you have a red governor for example like texas or florida even where mm-hmm. they're trying to pass a 15 week 15 whack 15 week abortion ban in florida um i don't think that's going to be enough to swing the vote no as far as yeah as far as you know electing a democratic governor i don't think there's enough going on right now to to do that anywhere i think they all realize all these especially all these governors and their poor decisions when it came to uh managing um businesses as far as like the health code goes and all all the policing that they failed over the last year and a half two years i don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue i mean I'm not sure what's going on with Chicago's, but I think that'd be the only <laughs> state to look at because I, I feel like that one's probably the roughest out of them all. That's Wouldn't it be that, something if Chicago decided to vote for a red uh, Republican <laughs> mayor? I, I, I think they should, honestly, obviously. I mean, me and you probably both agree on that. I just, how are they going to do that? And I know this gets into our next uh, topic, but how does that, how are they going to do that if, you know, if the elections aren't, aren't fair. And I think that's what they need to establish first. Yeah. And, you know, and I think when it comes, speaking of fair or anything like that, I think it's fair that we still have the filibuster in check still, yep. because if it weren't for the filibuster, like I said, um, it could be abusive when it comes to power, especially in past legislation. Cause the whole purpose of the whole 60 votes is to make sure the minority party has a say in the legislation legislative process and they're not completely kicked out mm-hmm. and that's what makes our country a republic not a pure democracy right a pure democracy it's literally majority rules which that yep. can lead into dictatorship <laughs> you know yes as we're seeing as we're at least what they're trying to do so well not as far as the u.s goes yeah at, le- at least in the u.s we're not there yet but yeah. the people in charge right now they're trying to go that direction which again that's very it's a uh, something to definitely keep an eye on, but I think they're under, they're definitely overestimating, and we may agree on this. They're overestimating the popularity of the idea of federalizing abortion nationwide, yeah, and letting taxpayers pay for abortions, and also forcing companies to pay for abortions, and also forcing uh, states to ignore to basically yeah. overpass their own state laws. Which I'm in favor of letting the states handle it. Now, with that said, would I like if there was ever a case where they went to the Supreme Court 
and the art with the argument of the 14th amendment that the unborn deserve that same protection absolutely and therefore i you know so to an extent i do believe in some kind of fertilization of protecting the unborn but i think that would be less i think abortion itself is more extreme than protecting unborn yeah. children <laughs> i think that's a more extreme position than uh than what i what i propose but um regardless though i think again they're just it's just a very distinguishable difference of reality what we're living in right now. And it kind of gets into your story. We have a difference of reality as far as what happened on the election of 2020, which I'll let you go ahead and present your yeah. story, my friend. Well, I mean, it's, it's no uh, hidden mystery or anything that we, we did find that there's a lot of fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Um, and a former uh, Air Force pilot, Wendy Rogers was the head of that for Arizona to, to try to overturn that with reports saying that they think there's suspected fraud. And what they found um, due to the help of uh, Doug Logan, who helped, he was a CEO of Cyber, he still is CEO of Cyber Ninjas. Um, they found over 17,000 ballots that were uh, mishandled and they were, I mean, there's no duplicated, right? Well, there were some that were duplicated. I think there was over like 6,000 that were duplicated, and the rest were just fraudulent ballots that were counted for. Um, and they're not saying they were 100% for Trump or for Biden, but what they are saying is there was enough to overturn that election had these not been counted. So if they throw those ballots out, that would have been enough. And that's what they should do in a fraudulent ballot. You should toss it out. Um, there would have been enough to where Arizona, the state of Arizona did not, or was Biden did not win the state of Arizona in that case. And that would have changed things drastically. But of course, during the, the time they didn't want to, you know, do, an, do any audits right off the bat. And actually the, the state wasn't going to pay for it. You had to have private people come in and, and pay for it themselves. And then what they're requesting now is they actually had a 92 legislator um, legislators from multiple States, write a letter to the American people calling for a 50 state audit and a decertification where appropriate. So it sounds like they're being pretty uh, fair about it. And from what I saw when I was watching some of the, the um, election audit tapes that they were presenting, uh, some of these ballots that they ended up counting just had a dot or like a scribble line, not even like a half inch. And that uh, te technically is a good signature. And there's thousands of those. So it's, it just makes you wonder, like, who is sitting there behind that desk doing that? How come there was no evidence of it? As far I mean, there was a uh, camera footage of boxes of ballots being brought in at three o'clock in the morning after polls were supposed to be closed. Um, so there's that, but I mean, other than live like body cams on those people as they're signing this stuff, I mean, that was only done during the audit. Everything's on live uh, or not live feed, but um, everything's recorded and documented and it's being held right now um, until they can decide what they're going to do with it. But that's just one state that's found, you know, thousands of ballots over, over 10,000 ballots that were fraudulent that should have been tossed out. And I mean, there's, I mean, seven more states in question and why they're, you know, shutting it up. I have no idea. 
Because, I mean, I think that's that's the root of all of our issues was started with that. Um, having like Well, a, not people being quiet about it? Well, that or just people that, you know, didn't think that the U.S. would have that issue. So they don't want to question it. Because then you just seem like, you know, you're just a crybaby about things, which I understand that. But when when you're asking people to look into something, you feel like you wouldn't have any pushback on it. And I think I think they should do an audit every time they have a president election. I think they should. I think every state should have to do it. And that's just another step we take. But also, I think we need to go for voter ID. I don't think. Um, whoa, whoa, you, know, whoa, you little racist. Slow yeah. down there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I'm sorry about it. I think, I mean, they give out free IDs and I've even seen officers in different White privilege ca- here. counties pay <laughs> for other people to get IDs. I mean, that's just one thing. If you're a citizen in the United States, you should, you should be given an ID and, and I mean, that's just one step of it, I think. So in the future, I think that's, that's what we need to make sure our uh, elections are honest. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting they break you brought that up. I've talked about this on my show several times now. Never written articles about it. As a matter of fact, the what happened with January sixth, right? How the American people felt they were gaslighted to the point they felt as though they had to get in the Capitol, which I disagree with the media, both liberal and conservative media, when they called it a riot at the time. And I still stand by that. It was more like a frat party gone wild, if you ask me. <laughs> but um, but it's so funny how we live in two different realities when it comes to what happened with the election of 2020. You have one side that believes no fraud took place or not enough fraud took place to where the outcome would have changed. And the other side, there's some... Uh, well, even on the right side, there's debate as far as, you know, whether or not people believe there's an election audit, not election audit, if the results were compromised to the point the outcomes would have changed or yeah. um, just the results were compromised, but we're not sure if it changed the outcome, which that's the camp I fall in. I think the results were definitely compromised, mm-hmm. and but I don't know for sure that Donald Trump would have won if we took every single illegal ballot from all 50 states out and Donald Trump would be the president. It's a good possibility, but I don't know for sure. But that said, though, I will say that (laughs) what person at this point is going to want to stick their neck out and potentially be blackmailed by the government, by the press, as the person who stuck their neck out for Donald Trump and say, this is wrong, Donald Trump, actually won this state um not joe biden who wants to who's which guy's going to be the one to stick their neck in? and i think that's one of the reasons why the judges ruled in favor of going ahead and proceeding with the certification of election uh when the lawyers for trump's team were trying to convince them that it's not worth certifying which some people would say they had weak arguments and i think at one point i pretty sure they weren't actually arguing that um massive fraud took place which i think that was a mistake on their part if they uh if they really believed that these results are compromised to where they shouldn't be certified then they they should have gone harder in the courtroom that said though for something to gather evidence as big as trying to prove the election 
was so dysfunctional that year, th- so dysfunctional that night, that it would have changed and altered the outcome. That would have taken months, possibly a year or two, to actually get to the bottom of it, what happened that night. And I don't think the system was willing to put up with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we had state officials shove it through the survey case for the election results. And we had our even DC uh, folks go ahead and certify the election results. I mean, think about it. if we didn't certify the election results, we would have had basically two years of a year of Nancy Pelosi at this point, because we would have no official winner at this point per constitution. If there's no official winner, it would go to the speaker of the house as the next person up at that point, which yeah. I don't think anyone is really uh, excited. As much, I don't think anyone's more excited to have to have Nancy Pelosi as president than Joe Biden is right now. So, um, yeah. but at the same time, though, it would have been fair and at least letting us know that the system is working itself out to make sure we have the right guy, the guy that the people wanted in there to begin with. And I don't think right now we have the guy the American people truly wanted. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm really curious to see like how this plays out because there are other audits that have taken place, other election investigations that have taken place. And I've mentioned this on my show before and on some crossovers from between the liars uh, with my friend, Ryan, he and I, <laughs> I should say he not, but I have brought up the fact that in Wisconsin in particular, the results of the investigation turned out to be the voter turnout was not in the 90 percentile. It was in the 70 percentile. Mm-hmm. And we're talking millions of votes. And the margin of error could easily switch and alter the outcome of that state. And people – and this boggles my mind because if it was the other way around, if it was Joe Biden doing the investigation – and we ha- had these election audits and we had these results, there would be – it would be headline, front news, CNN, all the mainstream media sources you could think of. It would be a front-page news right now saying, do we have an illegitimate president at off- in the office right now? Yeah. That would yeah. be the storyline right now. Well, they even thought that they did kind of the same thing we were talking about when Clinton lost. Yeah, but that was <laughs> – ironically it was, enough – Yeah. Ironically enough, everything they accused Trump of, it was actually Hillary doing it the whole time. Oh, yeah, as far and, as the Russian hoax and all that. Yeah, everything – that was all Hillary. That all yeah. belongs to her, so I'm not even worried about that. At that point, I feel justice has been served and that, honestly, if anything, if she ever tries to run again, that's well, just going to add to her resume. You think she'll go to jail? Oh, God, no. She's not going to jail. Why would they do that? And that yeah. and that also gets a little tricky, though, too. Like, you know, Kind of as far as like public persona, not public persona, but as far as just like for the public's purposes, uh, public eye. If you go ahead and start imprisoning everyone who has done illegal things, even if it's justified at that level, you could easily twist that and say, "Oh, this guy's being a dictator. He's just trying to come up with just come up with excuses why they're throwing these people in jail." So I think for that level, it does get tricky, and so sometimes. Even though I want to throw up saying it, I understand why they wouldn't try to go that route. At the same time, though, that's why we need that leader that will say, you know, you're wrong, media, and this is why you're wrong, and present the facts. And that was one thing that I appreciated about Donald Trump. He was very transparent yeah. about everything. <laughs> Even if the media and press didn't like what was going on, he was at least honest about it. 
And it was up to, and the public, I think, recognized that. But I digress. I think it's important to again. We have to be willing to ask these questions. We have to be willing to say, you know, did this we don't have to go along with the narrative. We don't have to agree with the narrative. We don't have to believe in the rhetoric that's being spewed at us, being shoved down our throats. And I guess that's really my final thoughts for this segment, really, because at the end of the day, sure, the Democrats can try to convince us that the Republicans are or conservatives are anti-women. They're sexist. Um, they don't have the right to say anything because the majority of them are white men. And you can also buy into the idea that um, the election wasn't stolen or there wasn't anything fishy going on with the election results which their idea of you know, accepting the election results or certifying the election results is basically how I described it is imagine you see a piece of crap in the middle of the living room and then that person decides to put a rug on top of the crap and then they tell everyone in the room, hey, it's no longer there. You can't see it, right? In the meantime, everyone in the room is like, no, we, could def- we definitely know it's there. We could definitely smell it still. That's the 2020 election results, right? Everyone can still <laughs> smell the crap from the results, just because you put a rug on top of the results does not mean we the don't smell yeah. the crap's not there anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have to fall for their manipulation tactics. We don't have to be, we don't have to let them get to us either in the sense of just take it, take your energy out in the polls, this election. Do not, and I know there's been conservatives out there that say it's not even worth trying to go ahead and vote anymore. But mm-hmm. I think, what Virginia showed us last year, because they have looser election laws as well, is that if you have a big enough turnout, if the turnout is big enough, it won't matter because there's more legitimate votes that's gonna that they can't even come up with come up with enough illegal ballots to go ahead and make up for. It, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, and that's yeah. I mean, I agree with that because I think that's honestly what almost happened in Arizona. I don't think they thought it was going to be as close as they did. So, I mean, that's why it was, you're only looking at like, you know, 10,000. That's that's the margin. That's what he needed to, to win that. So, who knows? Yeah, and again, and remember, and remember this, guys. My la- final, final thoughts. All right. Remember on election night, the night before the ne- very next morning where all of a sudden states like Wisconsin, Michigan – decided to flip blue after Trump was having a ginormous lead. Everyone that in the news media that night were freaking out. And they were even saying like, there was no way that Biden could come back from this. And then suddenly they changed their tone to, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. Of course we did. Duh. So again, ask questions, be skeptical about everything. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not accept the narrative. Don't accept things blindly, but don't reject everything blindly either. Use yeah. your critical thinking skills. You can't sure. be one-sided anymore. You have to. You have to kind of hear. And that's one thing I wish that was was coming more out of uh, going back to like even just news. Like they they literally silenced all Russian media. Like there's no media coming out of Russia right now. So you can't. You, you don't even have a voice on it. You just. You're told what you're told from Ukraine side, and that's it. What does that tell you? That's propaganda, right? They want to make sure if there's no nuance being, if there's no nuance where you can have a counter argument being presented out there, so that people can decide for themselves, like who's 
you know, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy for a black and white terms. Yeah. Then at that point, then you have an agenda. And I'm sorry, it's not the free press anymore, which uh, Taylor, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, freedom of the press does not mean freedom to lie. So you have any final thoughts, my friend? Yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up in this stuff, but it's important to also uh, create that balance. So everybody needs to just do yourself some uh, some due, gil- due diligence. Uh, I can't te- I can't talk. But uh, <laughs> you're good. You take a take a break from some of this and and get your mind off of it. And also, you know, try to do something good. There's a lot of bad going around, and it doesn't mean you have to be a part of that. The second you start being something you're not more you spend in life doing something you don't want to do so with that being said i mean you know it's a pleasure to be on here i challenge everybody listening to do something good tomorrow for somebody else and just keep it moving and uh that's it man all right folks that is from the married man and uh father alex thank you again alex and with that said folks i'll be back my friend alex is going to be gone so by all means show him some love and uh, let me know your comments as far as uh, why you like him. So <laughs> with that said, I'll be back after this short break, but until then, stay tuned. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. Thanks again for tuning into today's show for this week in review edition. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, Alex and I. Alex, once again, great job out there. Same thing that I said last week. By all means, folks, show him some love and give him some grace. He's not an expert by any means. But frankly, that's the whole premise of the show. None of us are experts, and we're just here to give us, give ourselves a, a platform to just go ahead and be blunt with our thoughts, opinions, and giving out stories that the elite class don't want us to have. So with that said... Until next time, I hope you all have a great, blessed weekend. God bless.